and welcome to another edition of Bridging the Gap. Thank you so much for taking some time to tune in. And hopefully you and yours are doing well, staying well, and enjoying being around each other. That's what it's all about. Here on Bridging the Gap, what we're trying to do is bridge the gap between where this wealth management financial advisory industry is today and where it is going. How can we stay ahead of the trends or at least stay up with the trends? How can we learn from other industries and how can we innovate within our own firms to create better, more engaged and personalized experiences with all of our clients? And how can we ultimately serve more clients with this white glove service? That's the ultimate goal of bridging the gap. And we try to get minds and thoughts and information from all different types of industries to help us become better. Bridging the gap really came from my desire to take lessons I learned from being a financial advisor and serving families, helping to grow multiple RIAs and ultimately helping to build a technology company to deliver thoughts and ideas in a community together that helps to spur positive change in an industry and continues to progress us to be more innovative and more thoughtful on different and unique ways to provide more services and more value to our clients. And the way that I thought we could do that is by talking with people both inside of our industry and outside of our industry and learning from what they have learned in their endeavors and their journeys that we can maybe bring back and try. And ultimately what we try to do on Bridging the Gap is give at least one actual thing that you can take to try to make progress tomorrow. And even if it doesn't work, that's still progress because we learned something new. And that's what we're trying to do with Bridging the Gap. And we ultimately wanted to create a community, a community that can come together and learn from each other based on all of their ideas and their thoughts and their desires that they have at their firm. And maybe we can all work together to better each other and ultimately better the industry as a whole. And sometimes you're not going to agree with what I say or agree with someone else, what someone else says. But what we ultimately want to do is have an open mind and have a conversation. And it's okay to disagree, but at least have a conversation because at least we can take one thing maybe from that, something that we like or something that we don't like to go and make sure that happens in our firm to progress us forward. The best way to, to grow a community is to share the community. And so that's what we hope you can do. If you like the podcast, please share it, like it, subscribe, share it with a colleague of yours, a peer in the industry, and maybe they get something else out of it. But let's create engagement and conversation. Again, I'm not going to take it personally if you don't agree with everything I say, because I don't think you necessarily will. And that's okay. But I want to hear why, so that it can broaden my knowledge of how we can all come together as an industry to better. It's all about the client and to progress this industry forward in a positive way. Now, today's guest is just, just an amazing person, one that is an inspiration to me and has helped me become better overall. Mike Langford has been at this industry, being an RIA, helping to build an RIA, focus on social media and social media for advisors, and now has created a podcasting network that is helping financial advisors and, and fintech companies and helping them think about how to use digital content. And that's what we talk about all here today. And what Mike's helped me with is help me rethink how I utilize digital content as well. He's helped me professionalize my podcast even more. His insights and his lessons that he's learned over, over a decade using digital content is not only actionable, but inspiring. And I, you know, in this podcast, you will learn you know, how to leverage video, how to think about just getting started with video. You'll learn how to even start a podcast if you want to and how to get it out there. The biggest thing that I take away from my conversation with Mike is just get started. There are people out there that want to listen to you. And in an industry where it's all about the relationship, 
Digital content, whether it's audio, video, or both, can create a relationship and a connection with both your current clients and future clients that has never been possible before. And Mike provides all that information. And one of my longest podcasts I've done, we could have gone on for another three hours, was Mike is just that good of a dude that he can. You're going to find some actionable items you can take and implement into your firm today or tomorrow and the next day. So enough of me. Let's turn it over to the real man himself, Mike Langford, and let's listen in on digital content strategy and how advisors can implement it into their firm today. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. Mike Langford, thanks for joining us, man. This is one that I am ecstatic about. This is one of those podcasts that when you get to interview the person that got you into kind of being a professional podcaster in theory, you know, it's an honor, right? When, it, when the person that got you to that point, you've helped me drastically. So how you doing, man? Glad to have you on Bridging the Gap. Thanks for joining me. My pleasure, by the way, Matt. So it's an honor to be here as well, because you know what I love about that is, you know, that sometimes you don't realize the impact you're having, but I've, I've always been a big fan of if somebody asked me for help or guidance or whatever, offer it because hopefully uh, leads to some good stuff for them. And then the world kind of has a way of paying you back sometime. You know, speaking of the small things, you know, I just had a story the, uh, this weekend or this week, I had a conversation with a, uh, a friend, which is in one of my leadership groups. And, you know, I did like the smallest gesture in that group where I like shared some questions that I use on, a, on my one on one conversations with my team. And this is like a group of 45 really strong leaders and growing leaders in organizations. And like I've continued to get feedback that everybody is like really appreciative of me sharing these questions. And it was the simplest thing that I've ever done. And really, in my mind, I didn't think I was doing anything that clever or anything that great because like it was just questions that I've aggregated over time. And I just put them into one simple list and I shared it with the group. And now everybody's talking to me and saying to me, you know, thank you so much. You've changed the way that I meet with my clients. I'm like the smallest things that you do in life sometimes have the biggest impact. Everybody's trying to make this like huge grand gesture. Where you can just do the yeah. smallest little thing and it makes an impact. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's funny, like, and I think this is going to build into a lot of the things we're talking about today that we, we could have some uh, conversation topics uh, that you pulled together to facilitate uh, today's podcast. And that is at the central theme, in my mind, of everything that an advisor or wealth management firm is going to do when it comes to digital marketing and digital engagement, right? Is that type of attitude come at it like that? Like you're there to help people. You're there to connect people. You're there to interact and engage. And the good stuff is going to come as a result of that. It's going to set the stage and put you in positions to have lots of awesome. Yeah. Happening. And this conversation is going to be amazing because you've created such a brand of, you know, from podcasting and digital marketing and within this space mm-hmm. specifically, which is such a interesting yeah. niche that we're going to get into because it's like, Financial advisors don't know how to do digital marketing, right? Not yet. Hopefully they continue to learn and you just entered into the space to help them. But it's also a matter of figuring out how to deliver the value that your listeners or your viewers or your readers want to have as opposed to what you want to say, which is a slightly different way of thinking about it as well. And so I think that that's really interesting. Talking about digital marketing, talking about marketing in general, I think it's going to be really powerful for advisors. And that's why I'm so excited to have you on. I, I always like to start with just kind of, Tell us your story. How did you get to this sure. point, right? To where you're running yeah. multiple podcasts nowadays and doing digital marketing. Programs. Yeah, yeah. So I think like most folks, there's, it, it's somewhat iterative, right? There, there are going to be some times where you, you know, 
things look like, oh, of course that's the way it was going to go. But there was stumbles, there's fits, there's starts, there's, oh, a little discovery here and there. So on the podcasting front, I started doing my first ever podcast back in 2007. Wow. So I'm like way OG with using this as, as a medium. Now, I shelved that podcast at, at, at some point in time and I started others and so forth. But I've been doing this for a long time now. And that was kind of a radical shift for me in my career. So I had come up through uh, wealth management and, and financial services through State Street and Fidelity Investments, left Fidelity Investments, started in RIA. And that was 06 when I started my, my firm. And I had no marketing budget, like at all. I was like, you know, I was like starting green and I'm like, all right, what am I going to do here? Well, I started going out to chamber of commerce meetings and all that type of stuff. Everybody, every new advisor does. And one of the things I knew that would be effective was email newsletters at the time. And even that was still new, right? So I'm like, I'll just send out an email newsletter once a week to people. Here's some things, here's some interesting stuff. And I started growing that list. And then I heard about this thing called podcasting. And I'm like, oh, yeah, people are able to listen to your voice on their computer or on their, at that time, MP3 player. So I looked into it. I'm like, that seems like it's actually relatively straightforward to do. I bought myself a Mac, bought myself a blue snowball microphone, <laughs> got into GarageBand, and I started doing a weekly podcast. And what's really interesting to me was I got immediate feedback from people like, this is awesome. Like, number one, you're pretty good at it, which is nice to hear that you're pretty good at something. But my logic with the podcast was really simple. And I've taught this lesson a lot over the years to, the, to this space is that, listen, not everybody is in the market for your services right now, right? So even if you are the best advisor in the world, even if you meet somebody who would be the most perfect client for you, it is highly likely that they are not ready to do business with you right now. Why? Well, maybe all their money's tied up in their 401k. They have literally no liquid assets to have you manage if you're, you're going to be managing their money. Maybe they own a business or they're, they're in a tech company and they just, they just haven't developed wealth yet, but they would love, love, love to work with you. So you need to stay top of mind. You don't want to just like meet that person, shake their hand and they love you, you love them, but there's nothing to do here and then have them forget about you. And five years later, oh, you know, they've had a big liquidity event, they've changed jobs, they've gotten married, they're whatever, and now they're ready and you're off their radar, right? So that was the logic behind first the newsletter, just kind of like get people keeping me top of mind and showing that I'm competent, that I, I'm knowledgeable about this thing. But the podcast was, for me, was like, what if they could hear me? Like, what if they, because I am keenly aware of, look, financial advisory businesses are effectively commoditized in from the perspective of you all sell, sell the same stuff, right? Everybody has the same basic services. They have access to the same stocks, bonds, mutual funds, all priced about the same, right? Where you're going to truly differentiate is just connecting with the client. That makes sense. Like they're, they're going to resonate with you over Jack or Jill, the other potential, right? They just met you. They, but what I thought the podcast could do, and I, I think I've been proven right on this, is if you hear me enough, you start to build a connection with me. You start to feel comfortable with me. You start to lean on me as the person who answers the questions or, or just, and, and, and at some point in time, should 
the moment come where you're ready to do business, I'm going to be your guy. So that's kind of where I started this journey. The where I pivoted into being in the the, the really in the digital spaces as I was getting my RIA off the ground. I'm using podcasts. I started getting more active on LinkedIn, obviously. And Twitter was this new thing. I went to this thing called PodCamp. Sounds totally nerdy, and it is. Uh, and it was the second one in Boston. And you want to talk about people who influenced you. That's where I met a whole bunch of people. I got connected with people who were very early adopters of you know blogging, social media, podcasting, video, and so forth. And I'm still friends with those folks to today. So I started using Twitter. I was introduced to this thing called Twitter. Didn't make any sense to me. But I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll sign up. Again, this is late 07. And for a few months, I just had a Twitter account and I didn't do anything with it. But then one of my clients who was in digital marketing sent me an email and I noticed in his uh, signature, he had his Twitter handle, a link to his Twitter handle. I'm like, well, that's just idiotic. Like, why would you put like Twitter in your... So I clicked on it and I go over there. I'm like, he's got 600 people following him on Twitter? What the hell? So I started digging into like, what is this Twitter thing all about? And I started realizing that, and I went and Googled his name, by the way. So we'll step between that. I Googled (laughs) my client's name. And wouldn't you know, in the first page of Google, his Twitter handle came up. Like, oh, I get it. Twitter is Google juice. This social media thing makes you much more likely to be discovered Mm -hmm. using search. And and, and so I started to get it. Every tweet creates a unique web page. Even to this day, every tweet has a unique URL to it. So as you're putting content out into the world, it makes you more easily discoverable and you can actually build a community, build a following with these. So I started using Twitter. But in those early days, this is again, 08 at this time, Twitter's a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. It's really, so when you go on Twitter now, you can see a thread of conversations. All the replies come underneath the tweet Mm -hmm. and somebody replies to it. And it's really easy to figure out, you know, oh, Matt tweeted this, Mike replied, and here goes this conversation between these two guys. Okay, and oh, here comes a third person. You see what's happening. Back in the early days of Twitter, if I replied to you, they would not be linked. There there, there would just be a thing that said in reply to. So I'd have to click that. That would open up another webpage. And then I'd have to click in reply to, and I'd have to basically work to get the conversation. So one thing that was going on in my brain was I was really pissed that I had missed the dot-com revolution because I was in grad school and came out in May of 2001 as basically the dot-com implosion happened. I'm sitting there and I'm like, this social media thing's going to be a big deal. I'm not missing this one, right? So uh, I decided, you know what? I see the promise in Twitter. I'm going to join in. And at that point in time, Twitter was very open. You could get it, an API, you know, it was open API. You could just grab the API. You could start coding and, and develop some, some cool stuff. So I hired some developers and we built something called TweetWorks, which was aimed to fix that conversational problem that was hard to follow a conversation. And we made fully threaded conversations. We created groups so you could, if you wanted to chat about financial services, you could create a financial services group. It could be an open group or a closed group, right? So very similar to what you see in LinkedIn groups and Facebook groups. So really great solution. Unfortunately, I have amazing timing, right? 2008, market crash, you know, financial crisis, unable to raise any money, run the thing for a couple of years, but eventually you basically run out of money because in part because as the, the, the VC market started opening up, Twitter 
had their one and only conference, by the way, their one and only developer conference, and pretty much told developers like, hey, it's going to be really hard to make money off our platform because we're going to kind of start doing all the stuff that you guys are doing. And I was like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm now at the end of 2010. I'm like, now what am I going to do, right? So I've got, I've got a relatively small RIA. I'm making some money. But I kind of made this decision I want to go a different route. And I had been down here to Austin. At that time, I was living up in Boston. But I had been here to Austin for South by Southwest. And I'm like, well, maybe we can move to Austin. It's a great young city. My wife and I had always talked about moving someplace warmer, tired of New England winters. And as luck would have it, I, saw, I found this company called Socialware was looking for a head of strategy. And Socialware made it possible for financial advisors to use social media and be compliant when they're doing so. Well, I was literally like one of probably five people qualified in the entire world to talk to a financial advisory slash wealth management and asset management space on social media. Like nobody was deeper than me on, on social at that time and also had a financial services background. So landed that job, moved down here. And that was a really interesting thing because I basically got to meet all the executives at every major wealth management firm. I got to you know pitch to the board of directors at Morgan Stanley, you know, <laughs> type of stuff like why your advisors should be using social media, flying all over the country in front of rooms full of financial advisors, evangelizing the concept, helping them with their strategies and educating and so forth. So it was a really great time. Unfortunately, so, Socialware didn't make it. They got their clock cleaned by Hearsay Social, Actians, and, and mm. Smarsh, right? So I left about a year later, but a lot of those same companies came calling saying, hey, Mike, can you do this. Can you still help us with strategy? Can you speak to our advisor group and so forth? And so Fincer Marketing was born as a, as a result. And so over the years, as with any type of digital marketing or, or strategy firm, you do a lot of different stuff. Right? And one of the things you're looking for is like, what is the thing that you know, not only does it stick, but it's it's recurring and, 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 and good for the client, of course, and providing really good, good results. And what we discovered actually over the last couple of years really is podcasts are really working, right? So we started producing one for Trulytics, the Modern Financial Advisor podcast in which you, you've been on. And then other clients started asking, hey, can you produce a show for us, right? And so now we're producing shows for you know, Trulytics, Skyview Partners, producing one for Yodelay, Investment Yodelay, producing one that's going to be launching soon for Blue Leaf. So, there's a, so a lot of shows are, are being produced. And it's, it's great because most firms don't have the internal infrastructure to produce a show on their own of high quality and, and, and do it with a regular cadence, right? It's just, they would, it would just be, it's relatively expensive to bring it all in-house and do it. And you also have to have the talent there. And so we're already, we're stood up to do that and we know the space, right? So we're really focused on the wealth management vertical and it's, it's, it's working great. Yeah. And I, and you know, the, the thing about it is so, such, so much of that resonates just in the sense of, the trends for advisors, and we're always tending to be behind the curve and having someone that can help to kind of instill that. I mean, for us, we're lucky to have someone in-house that's able to do video production and audio production, but not many firms have right. that, right? And we invested in that early because we thought of video being kind of the, the trend. Before we, I, I mean, I want to get into you know, digital marketing, right? When an advisor thinks about digital marketing, because like some of these firms, Anything about Trulytics and, and Blue Leaf and Skyview and Investnet, those are some, you know, really forward thinking firms, right? They're really they're 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 B2B, some B2C forward thinking firms. 
that are innovating. And, and when you think about like some of the listeners here, you think about financial advisors, just, you know, the RIA, like you were back in 07, 08. Digital marketing to many advisors today is like, I have a website, right? That's what they say yeah. is digital marketing, but that's not really it. And so, you know, for those types of firms, right? What is in your mind, the definition of digital marketing and, you know, how do they even get started, right? I mean, do they need someone like sure. you? Like, what's like, what are their baby steps? And I mean, you kind of talked about it in your journey, but we're, we're yep. you know, not, I'm not aging you, uh, so I'm not aging you, but you know, we're, 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 we're 14 right. years, right. 14 I years. Feel it. <laughs> we're 14 years <laughs> past uh, when you started doing your email marketing, right? Things have changed. Yeah, yeah. So what, what's yeah, the definition absolutely. and how do we even get started in this way? So my, my definition may differ from others, but to me, it's, Digital marketing is attracting and retaining clients through internet-enabled solutions. Okay. It's pretty simple, right? You, you, so marketing has two jobs. It's to attract and retain clients, right? It's basically two things you do. You want to bring new clients on and you want to keep the ones you have, right? And marketing serves a purpose for both of those. And so when we talk about digital, the internet piece is really important, right? Because, you know, I guess you could have a digital billboard somewhere, but I'm thinking more like, you know, digital marketing is it's internet enabled, right? And so whether that enabled service or device is, is, is on your phone or, or an iPad or in your earbuds or, or on, a, on your big screen, that's what we're talking about. And so it includes a whole bunch of different things. It could be email, right? Simple as email. Email's the, again, the killer app, as everybody will tell you, is like, everybody has it. Just so you know, everybody has email. We are starting to enter a phase in which there are some younger folks on the millennials. And by the way, the older millennials are inter entering their thirties now. So don't start thinking, keep thinking of millennials Jeez. as kids, but the, there are some millennials who really try to avoid email. So just keep that in mind that other channels are important, but email, text, website, of course, social media, webinars, right? Podcasts, video, live audio, right? Zoom stuff, right? All of that is, can be used for attracting and retaining clients. The question you asked about, like, how do you get started is, you know, start with your website. I would start there. And the reason why I say start with your website is that's where you, people are going to go there to verify you. And that's where you have their, their attention and it's their exclusive attention. It, meaning like when you're on LinkedIn, as an example, which LinkedIn's important as our other social media tools. There's a whole bunch of other stuff happening there and you don't own the platform. Your website, you can say whatever you want and put it in the, the terminology you want. You can use the imagery you want, the color scheme you want, right? So that, that would be your, your home base. Now, it doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be this website that has, you know, 82 different pages or, or be super reactive. It can be a one pager that, you know, one of the scrolling ones, right? Really simple. The thing that I try my hardest to get advisors to understand is you got to know and love your audience and understand who they are. Like, so you know, we talk about niche marketing a lot here. Pick a niche and speak their language, right? So you and I, neither one of us are wearing a, a suit and tie, right? We're, we, I got a polo shirt on, you've got a polo and a zip up on for those of us who can't see us. If that's what your client base is, you're, you're selling it to a tech audience, you're dressed up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right now with a polo shirt on, you know, many of them are wearing t-shirts to work every day. So, you know, if, if that's your audience, if that's your target market, the tech sector, 
don't put a picture of yourself wearing a three-piece suit on your website with the oak paneled walls, right? That, that's where I would start. It's very basic. And I, I would start with having, having an email once a month, sending out an email. And then I would get active on social, not overly hard, right? And what do I mean by active on social? Just engage, share some stuff, sure. But it's actually way easier than you think to be active on social. It's listening to people in your network, right? Yeah. Go on LinkedIn once or twice a day, right? Nobody likes to hear this, it's kind of crude, but you could do it in the bathroom, right? Like if you're like, oh, I don't have time for social. <laughs> Everybody's got time for social. Bring your phone with you. <laughs> or while you're eating lunch, you've got your phone, just scroll through, click the like button, right? You can click, you can reply to something that's interesting. It doesn't all have to be financial related, but you'll just interact with people and you'll be surprised at how much traction you start getting there. I think it's a matter of making that commitment to investing some time. It, it, you can start yeah. with just investing time as opposed to money and you don't have to do, and yeah. it just, I think that the most effective people are those that are consistent, right? It just, it's a consistency factor and, and yeah. you're not going to get that like immediate ROI. And the thing that I've always been amazed by is that financial advisors have more data on their clients than any of these great companies have in terms of that create great client experiences, right? You think about Facebook, Netflix, mm -hmm. and all the suggestions and all that type of stuff. We have more data on our clients. We know their fears, their worries, their concerns, their desires, everything, their ambitions. We, we could write to them or we could speak to them in a great, in a personalized way, yet we have yet to figure out how to do that as an industry. And everybody's like, well, I don't know what yeah. to write about. I'm an advisor. Like, well, write a, you have conversations with people. You can create relationships or you wouldn't be in this business. What are you talking about in those relationships? And how can you talk about that at scale? And you're going to start creating yeah. your brand. Like uh, from that standpoint, regulation has been a, a hindrance. Now with some of the marketing rules, it's changed sure. it. But I guess it is the, is the hurdle for, is, is, regulation just a crutch for advisors to say they don't want to do it or is there another hurdle they haven't been able to overcome because like you know yeah is it just another <clears throat> hurdle that they haven't overcome to get really good yeah. digital marketing like you have to be don't be rendering advice on social media and producing videos that are giving people financial advice right don't go entangling yourself or promoting any stocks right i would avoid even really talking about specific stocks unless you're using an analogy or something like that. So that's where it is. You, you do have to have everything, you know, arch archived, right? And, and compliance needs to be able to see your stuff, specifically if it's business related. But you can get a lot of mileage without actually talking about financial stuff. That's, I think that's one of the things that trips many advisors, many firms is you know, you don't have to talk about financial stuff and investment stuff and financial planning stuff on LinkedIn or on your videos or on your podcast all the time. You know, why not have a podcast? As an example, let's just say we have a target market and your target market is tech folks who live in Austin, Texas, right? That's where I live. And I was going to be, that's who I want as clients. Well, great. Why not start a podcast that's a tech podcast? And you talk about tech, you have founders on, you have engineers on, you talk about career stuff, whatever. You talk about all the things that are relevant for those folks. And then occasionally, you, you maybe you do a, a interstitial, right? It, it basically, it's, a, it's a, you know, a, a mid roll advertisement that says, hey, listen, you know, here at XYZ Financial, we work with a lot of tech people. So 
if you have some questions about your stock options or have some questions about your 401k plan, feel free to reach out to us, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now back to our conversation with Matt, our tech genius guy, right? So it's nice and easy, right? You're you're, you're kind of going native is one of the things that I always encourage people to do, like go native into your audience, right? Talk to them. Like you'll notice on the Modern Financial Advisor podcast that we do for Trulytics, right? Really don't talk about Trulytics that much in the actual body of the podcast. We're talking to other folks who are of interest to our audience, which is financial advisors and executives at wealth management firms. That's the audience, right? They're going to be interested in our stuff. It can be really, really helpful. Not hard to get by compliance. Like, hey, we're talking to a bunch of entrepreneurs, right? Awesome stuff. It's a, and it's, it, we're, we're in a relationship business. We know how to build relationships. That's and when right. you build relationships, the best advisors in my mind spend 75% of their meeting time talking with the client about their life, what they like to do, about world events, all of that type of stuff. They're not talking about the, if you're spending your entire meeting talking about the portfolio, you haven't built a strong, a foundationally strong relationship in my mind. You've you built a materialistic relationship that now hinges right. on market performance. And when you get that, I don't care who you are, you're going to have down years and you're going to have up years. And the moment that your relationship is transactional in theory on the markets, you're in a tough spot. So you can talk about other things. And you know, one of the things that you were talking about there was like the 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 segment in the middle, right? Like the ad. Like it sounds yeah. so great. And I, I can just I can just sit there and see advisors listening to this podcast and being like, Mike, you're crazy. I don't even know how to start to <laughs> build a podcast from that standpoint. Like now you're yeah. telling me that, oh, all you gotta do is put something in the middle. But the <laughs> but but here's the thing. The tools have become so much more accessible. Right, right, right now we're 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 recording this on a on a free website that it creates great quality, yeah. and you could set up and do this from your AirPods with a guest yeah. within ten minutes, and you've got a podcast that yeah. you can post. So talk us through, you know, let's just talk about podcasting because you are the, the best at. But I also want to just tease a question for the future. I want to know brands outside sure. of those that you work with that do an amazing job of, you know, sticking out in, in, in digital marketing so that we can learn from those and we can watch mm. those brands and our listeners can follow them. But let's talk about podcasting. How can someone even get started with that, right? There are so many tools out there. How can they get started for the, the novice or the beginner? So you hit on it, you know, all the tools you need, you know, is most likely your phone. You can get started with your phone and AirPods if you wanted to. There's a great app called Anchor, which I believe is owned by Spotify. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a full podcasting studio in an app, if you wanted to, if you wanted to start that way. A lot of people use Zoom, right? Fire up Zoom, there's a record button. Click record on Zoom and, and, and you can record your conversation with your, your interview subject. So starting has never been cheaper, right? So even when I started, by the way, way back in 07, GarageBand was free with the Mac, right? So if you had a Mac, you have GarageBand. The microphone cost, I want to say, $100. And that was, that was it. It was just, and then you just uploaded back then you could actually upload, I can't remember where I uploaded to, but you'd upload and then, you know, iTunes grabs your podcast and so forth. And there's lots of those services. Now we use, you gotta, we produce and distribute lots of podcasts and we use a service called podcast.co, which allows us to manage all of them by using one solution. It's like 50 bucks a month. <laughs> it's insane, it's so right? Cheap. It's yeah. so cheap. Like so, and even all the equipment that's here in my office with, with, with the soundboard and, and the whatever it's called, everything is like, I think 
under $2,000, right? And that's high end, right? Mm -hmm. So you do not need to invest in a $50,000 studio in your office to, to do high quality stuff. Getting to the real root of like, how do you get started? There, there's a little bit of just get started. The one thing that most people wrestle with is getting comfortable with their voice. Right? Like how do you sound? How do you, how do you think that went? And I think it helps to remind all of us you know, ourselves. And I have to do it to myself all the time. It's like, you're going to suck at it at first. Probably it's okay. You know, you think back about everything you've ever done in your life. When you're a little kid, I remember when I started playing baseball as a second grader, I didn't get a single hit the entire first season I played. I was terrible, but I was playing in all-star games a couple of years later. I right? just, you stink at whatever you start for the most part. And you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to restart yourself and all that type of stuff. But you will develop kind of your, your voice, your zone, your, right? Most advisors, there's a little tip, not most, many advisors built their business using seminars, right? Lunch and learns, right? They will fill a room full of people to give a presentation. And just about every advisor that I've ever met would, you know, do everything to get in front of a group of folks. Think of it as being in front of a, a group of folks. So when you're, speak, you're in front of this microphone, whether you're by yourself or speaking as you and I are you know, face-to-face across the screen, pretend you have an audience, right? Like, so as an example, when I record into a camera, I always have the viewfinder flipped around so I could see myself because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm talking to another person. I know it sounds really lame, but I mean, <laughs> it you just works, like to right? look at yourself, talk. I mean, I get it. You like to That's talk. Right. It's fine. I never walk. <laughs> I, I never walk past a mirror without stopping, right? But no, it's it's... It helps, right? You, 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 you make sure your face is animated. You know, I used to work on phones. You got, I think I'll probably get some head nods on this one from, from your listeners. One of my first jobs in this space was answering phones for mutual fund companies. Mm-hmm. Thank you for calling the Warburg Pincus funds. This is Mike. How can I help you? That type of thing. Right. <laughs> and one of the things they trained us was smile before you pick up the phone, right? Everything about you lifts, you become, your voice changes and all that type of stuff. And I, 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 it's so funny you learn those little lessons when you're young and you still carry them through now. Like smile when you're on your podcast, whether you're not, you're just speaking into the microphone and recording without a screen or you're doing it video style like you and I are, you, it, the best of you will come out. It changes Trust everything. It, it changes so, everything. I mean, I have a yeah. reminder on my phone that just says smile every morning, right? Just smile every morning. Just to yeah. remember that because it just changes the attitude for the day. And I think that the challenge for advisors is because many of the advisors there's a few fold, right? Like they've, they've become successful and they don't like to go back and, and fail at something. So they just avoid it, right? That's just a natural human tendency. And, and that's the challenge mm-hmm. that is there. And so I think that you have to mentally overcome that and say, you know what? I will get better at it. And I know because I've succeeded in other areas that I will succeed with this, like you were alluding to with baseball and everything of that nature. Yeah. I, I think that the other challenge, and I'd be curious to know your thoughts on this, I think that if advisors don't start doing some form of digital marketing beyond the email, et cetera, and website and do some sort of video or podcasting, that they're going to be so far behind the curve in five years because in five years, the the demand or the expectation by the viewer of the quality is going to be so elevated, right? They're going to know the good mm-hmm. from the bad and they're going to know what a you know, a shoddy podcast looks like versus a shoddy, or, you know, really well-produced one. And so if you don't start now, it's just going to be so much more difficult because there's going to be so many more people that are so far ahead. It, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think it's always going to be that people will accept whatever, or is it going to 
continue to separate further and further. I get where you're going with the, it's going to be harder to get a mass audience, right? Because people have had a head start on you, but we're getting more comfortable. This, this pandemic has, has made us more comfortable with people being a little more relaxed, right? And a little more raw, if you will. Like we're, we're in my home office here, which is fine. It's a nice looking home office, but it's not a studio, right? But how many people have you talked to who are just, you know, in, in, you know, FaceTime in their living room or whatever, right? So I think there's a push and a pull on it, right? So obviously if you're looking for a really big audience, yeah, it's going to get harder as more and more people are, and more and more firms are producing content, you know, you're, you are competing for share of voice or share, share of earbuds. The tools are getting easier, which is wonderful. Yeah. Right. It's nice, nice and easy there. The thing that I try to remind folks is though, especially in our business, you don't need a monster audience. Like if I told you today, Matt, hey, listen, dude, um, not sure if you're interested, but right near your house, there is a hotel conference room. 80 people are there ready to listen to you. I'm there. How quickly there would right you? Now. You'd be yeah. thrilled, right? 80. Right? And it, so if you had 80 podcast listeners, if you produced a show and it was a weekly show and 80 people listened consistently, some are your clients, some are prospects, some are just randoms, Right. You'd be, you should be thrilled. You sat down at a microphone at your computer or on your iPhone and 80 people listened. It's amazing. Right? Just think about the, how crazy that, that is. That's such a good point, right? Because I think that what digital mediums have led to is our perception that if you don't have a massive following, then it's a failure. But in reality, what you just done is that you've compared it to what we could have done which is two hours of our time to go get 80 people to listen to us. Whereas we can go take 30 minutes of our time and get 80 people, which now we've created scale and reach. But in the reality of it, if you yeah. compare it to like, you know, planet money or your podcast that you have, right. They're gonna be like, wow, I am so far behind, but you have, that's a, all the whole point of having the goal of what it is. And that's amazing. Yeah. If I can get a hundred people every week or every two weeks to listen to me and it only takes me 30 or 45 minutes, that's extreme scale of, of, of growth right there from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Well, and think about like most advisors, right? Again, I think a lot are gonna be shaking their heads. Most will tell you they get a very large portion of their new business through referrals, right? That's, a, that's majority. Every advisor we've ever met says, yeah, most of our business comes through referrals. Okay, well, what are you doing to generate referrals, right? Are you talking to your clients and saying, hey, here's some stuff we're working on, or, Hey, I'd like to meet more people like you, or are you actively going on LinkedIn and going, Hey, Matt, you know, Joe, Joe looks like he could be the type of client we want. Would you mind introducing me to Joe? Well, doing a podcast or doing a regular video show or both is a great way to generate referrals, right? Because chances are many of your clients will listen. Many of the people who already are considered referral partners, like CPAs you work with, or uh, state attorneys that you work with might also listen. And then people in your social network right, are going to be listening occasionally. And then occasionally somebody's going to discover it because they search for terms. That's another thing people should be aware of. Folks will search iTunes or Apple Podcasts for a topic. They will if they're interested in whatever, or they'll search Google for a specific. And if your podcast pops up, they might listen to it. Mm -hmm. Or if your video pops up, YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world, right? People search YouTube for how to do stuff all the time or for whatever topic. So you're going to come up in those things. And because it's you talking as a normal human being, as an approachable person, not as an over-the-top polished show, you resonate and somebody will resonate with you. I always joke that 
whoever you are, you can find an audience. Just look at some of the people that you scream about on TV. Like you cannot believe people follow that guy or that lady. Like they're nuts. This person's a crackpot. They're <laughs> all these conspiracy theories or whatever, right? Look at how many people are following them. All you need is an audience of a few hundred people consistently, and it's going to generate millions of dollars of revenue. All right. So we're going to wrap things up right there because this is such a great conversation. We actually decided to cut this conversation into two parts. So just to wrap up what we talked about with Mike in part one is that we talked about how Mike is a guy that inspired me to start the podcast and really put a professional tilt on the podcast and run it professionally. You know, Mike's journey into marketing is just an, an amazing one and one that goes with an immense background and a deep background in financial services. So he he gets what we are doing in this industry day in, day out. It's not something that just came into the industry. And we talked about how defining digital marketing, how to get started with digital marketing. It's something that's hard to get over the hump with on a from an advisor standpoint. And, and Mike talks about how we can start doing some digital marketing. And then we talk about how to start a podcast with him in this past one. So stay tuned, follow, subscribe, like the podcast, and make sure that you get notified when part two of our conversation with Mike gets aired. Look forward to having you all listen to the second part of my conversation with Mike Lang. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. 